Praise be Jesus Christ, and welcome to our third episode of CarmelCast. I'm Brother John Mary of Jesus Crucified. And I'm Brother Pierre Georgiou of Christ the King. CarmelCast is a production of the Institute of Carmelite Studies Publications. You can find our website at icspublications.org. Uh, so last week, uh, in our second episode, we talked about sort of the classical methods um, or ways of praying. Um, and we made, um, I think, uh, the, the, the claim several times in that episode that um, these forms of prayer uh, in uh, the teaching of St. Teresa of Avila um, is, is always... Um, thought of as mental prayer. There's not a dichotomy between uh, vocal prayer and mental prayer, uh, as we mentioned in that episode. Um, so I think uh, for this episode, um, we want to uh, focus uh, at first on sort of the method of prayer that Teresa proposes herself um, for her nuns uh, who may be uh, beginners in the life of prayer. And that's uh, the, the prayer of recollection. Yeah, and the the prayer of recollection. I mean, she talks about it. I think across a lot of her her writing, mm-hmm. um, but she mentions that it's it's really it's a practice of withdrawing uh, our senses from and our faculties from the, the outside world and really focusing them within and focusing them on God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know for us um, a lot of times our time of scheduled mental prayer where we're together in the choir praying um, as a community um, silently. Um, at times there can be, uh, someone might sneeze or blow their nose and, and, um, those are sort of opportunities to, um, I guess, re-recollect ourselves, to withdraw from our senses, from our eyes. Um, St. Teresa talks about how it's very appropriate to close your eyes sometimes, uh, in prayer to, to help with this. Uh, and other times she talks about how useful it is, uh, to recollect our, to recollect ourselves, um, to use an image of our Lord, right? So, um, it's always about doing what's sort of the best way to sort of withdraw from the senses and withdraw from the things going on around us, whether it be whether it be in Washington, D.C., you know, a few feet from a six-lane D.C. Avenue, um, or whether we're uh, in the middle of the country or in the mountains or something like that. Yeah, and actually those are good, um, good examples mentioning there because I feel like everyone has had experiences of this recollection and different points mm-hmm. in their life. Um, because the, the, the modes of prayer that we talked about last week, liturgical prayer, vocal prayer, um, meditative prayer, these aren't uh, opposed at all to being recollected. And in fact, it's part of their, their goal is kind of to lead us into recollection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can think of just times in our lives where we've seen something perhaps really beautiful um, that kind of brought us into this just mode of interior peace and quiet and uh, just... Yeah, becoming aware of God's presence. Um, I think that's kind of what we're talking about here with the the prayer for recollection. Is that, um, yeah, these these other types of prayer that we talked about are are helping us to achieve this um, with God's grace to 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 become more aware of His presence and really focus on uh, being with Him. Yeah, I think you know uh, Saint Teresa's. You know, she's she's as a method of the, of, you know, the prayer of recollection, she calls it, I think is just a, um, sort of a step-by-step guide in how to 
achieve that uh, when it can be difficult, right? Um, to make sure that we're going through um, uh, sort of the motions so that we won't be distracted uh, in, in when we go to pray. And we can recall her basic kind of definition of prayer to begin with, which is a, about you know um, spending time with a, speaking with a friend, and uh, and then when she's talking about the prayer of recollection, she she mentions how um, really it's about yes uh, speaking with the one who we love, speaking to him as a father, as a brother, as a friend. Um, this is kind of her understanding then of of how we recollect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um... I guess once we've sort of okay, so I, I've I've sort of um, recollected my senses. I've I've you know I've I've um, come to the point where I'm I feel like I'm not distracted by at least what's going on around me, um, what's going on um, in you know at the time right before I come to prayer. Um, I've I've kind of gotten myself quieted down. Um, what's next? Like what what is the, what's the next step that I that I should be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, really, the the whole whole goal of prayer is to to make acts of the will of love towards God, um, mm-hmm. and so it should be about keeping our mind. Uh, Teresa of Avila's prayer is extremely focused on Jesus Christ. Um, that is her whole method of prayer is really it's about um, remaining focused on Jesus, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of yeah. It's not just this matter of like kind of shutting out distractions in order to like reach this in like state of no, peace yeah. of emptiness, but rather it's about um, shutting out these distractions and really focusing on our mind on Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who, you know, and God in uh, the state of grace, the whole Trinity dwells within us um, as so many of the theologians of the church have told us. For instance, I think of like in um, John chapter 14, um, how our Lord tells us that um, he or, or she who keeps our com- my commandments um, uh, abides in me and uh, abides in the Father, and uh, the whole Trinity abides in them. Therefore, that's a very sort of Johannine um, theme that comes up again and again in John's Gospel. This idea of abiding um, with the Lord, and we see that so prevalent in the writings of Elizabeth of the Trinity. I oh, mean, yeah. that was kind of the, yeah. the focus of her entire spirituality is about mm-hmm. how the Trinity dwells in our souls, um, and how we. No matter where we are in life, we only need to retreat there to the cells within our souls in order to meet the Trinity there and to f- be united with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we see that her, her teaching on that is even found in the in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So it's it's become a very um, yeah prevalent idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, once you, you know we meet, you know we meet our Lord within ourselves within this time of prayer. Um, we become recollected, and I think, um, I think you mentioned this already. But you know, we follow him and we speak with him. You know, and we say this again and again. You know, um, speak with him who we know loves us. Speak to him as a friend, um, as a spouse, as a as a father, as a as a brother. Right? Now, these are all um, that comes directly from the way of perfection. Those those four uh, characteristics of how we can speak to to God uh, within us. Right. Yeah, I think it's, it can be kind of difficult. I find to put to put words to like what exactly is this experience, right? Of of the prayer of recollection, um, because sometimes, yeah, it's this it's this uh, experience of speaking uh, to Jesus, mm-hmm. or imagining Jesus, or maybe not even imagining an image of Jesus, but just um, 
just feeling a, a presence of Jesus there with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to really kind of put this into the experience into words, but um, I think the main the main uh, the focus of it all though is that uh, we have we we find some sense of peace and rest uh, there in prayer with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a segue uh, in ways to talk about how um, this is a way of approaching our whole day, right? Not just in sort of prescribed times of prayer where we're making time uh, to do this. And that's very important, right? Um, that's that's a huge part of our life. Uh, but we also have uh, sort of a semi-active life where we're uh, doing different things in ministry, where we're studying at school, um, where we're working, uh, where we're scrubbing toilets, you know, all those sort of things, brushing our teeth throughout the day. Um, th- these are all opportunities where we're alone, um, but, you know, and for Teresa, we're not really alone, are we? Because uh, if um, our prayer teaches us anything, it's that this, uh, this happens throughout the day. Yeah, and that's really the whole point of these times of prayer is um, to help us then to be recollected. These are supposed to be kind of touch points throughout our day that allow us to remain in God's presence throughout the entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, yeah, that's the goal of these times is to help us throughout the, the other times of the day to find God in our struggles, in uh, the joys, and in, in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reminds me of the, the writing of uh, our own Carmelite uh, brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. All right, yeah. Um, who writes in um, his, his famous book, The Practice of the Presence of God. I actually found that I was surprised to read that this book has become very popular even among non-Catholics right? Um, because it's, it's such a simple idea of just remaining in God's presence throughout the day. It's something that speaks to, to all Christians. Right. Um, but yeah, part of what he says at the very beginning of the practice of the presence of God is the holiest and most necessary practice in the spiritual life is that of the presence of God. It consists in taking delight in and becoming accustomed to his divine company, speaking humbly and conversing lovingly with him all the time, at every moment, without rule or measure, especially in times of temptation, suffering, aridity, weariness, even infidelity and sin. So yeah, that just really, I think it shows how we're supposed to um, this prayer of recollection that that Teresa is talking about isn't just something for the times of prayer, but something that we should strive to bring into our entire lives. Yeah, I mean, this idea that uh, if if He's with us at all times, um, and why would we? Uh, why should we um, ignore that? It, I think it's a it's a powerful um, way to uh, avoid avoid sin in the face of temptation, knowing that. Um, God is with us, uh, and He's He's there, and He's you know wants us to turn to Him in those moments. Yeah, yeah, and that's really something I think was really interesting about that reading, as you mentioned, you know, recalling God's presence in times of temptation, but not only times of temptation, but also times of sin. And so it's this idea of uh, realizing that God is with us even when we sin, um, and so He's there with us, you know, bef- in the time of temptation, so that hopefully we can turn away from sin. But even when we sin, He's there; He never abandons us. And he's there to lift us up uh, and help us to to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, we talked in the first episode about the um, sort of uh, 
Theresian, you know, after St. Teresa, sort of disposition of uh, determination and uh, perseverance, right, in prayer, that when we um, struggle that we, uh, we regain ourselves and we, we keep going, we, we try again. Um, both This applies both in the moral life with respect to uh, sin and um, grace as well as in just, you know, practices of prayer. Yeah, so one thing we see very clearly in, in Teresa's writing about the prayer recollection is that this is, it's a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not just something that you can just decide to do one day, but it's something that you really have to work at. Um, it's, a, it's a practice and, right. um, it takes time because especially at the beginning, it can be kind of daunting, I think, at the beginning to think of like always trying to remain in God's, God's presence. Um, I, I remember being, Back in college, I decided one day that I was going to take a sheet of paper just for one day and write down the time every time when I thought of God. And But the trick was I had to forget about it in between <laughs> and then remember again and write it down again. But it was just shocking to me at that time to realize, you know, sometimes I would go hours mm-hmm. without thinking about God when God never goes a single second without thinking of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a powerful realization, right? Right. The, the, to concretize that in the way that you really sort of see um, how little uh, throughout the day um, or how much that we have the opportunity, right? These are all opportunities to, to bring God um, into whatever we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think part of the, the, the practice then of this um, in times of prayer, it just, it takes hard work and discipline at times where uh, you find yourself distracted or you don't want to be at prayer and you make a choice uh, to to stay focused on Jesus and to continue loving Him, um, and then our, in our times not in prayer, we have to make choices throughout the day, even setting little reminders. Uh, one thing I did for myself at that time was, whenever I'd start to feel a little bit of anxiety about anything, that would be a reminder of me to turn to God in prayer. Mm-hmm. And so we can find all of these little ways throughout the day that God is actually giving us in order um, to 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 draw us to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, for St. Teresa, she had so many ways to help her with that. Right. Um, She talks about, you know, always having good books around, right. To help us to uh, turn to God when we need to become recollected. Um, It's not too difficult. There's a lot of uh, sort of options of small little things that we can carry with us. Um, I know that you have, you're a big fan of sticky notes and you have your little pieces of prayer that you, a paper that you keep, uh, in your front pocket, um, with different sort of, uh, sayings and, and mm-hmm. quotes and things like that. So those are all super, uh, helpful, um, in keeping this going throughout the day. But I think also is having, uh, one of St. Teresa's favorite reminders was having, uh, was art, right? Uh, sacred images, um, throughout, uh, her monasteries. She was, she was very adamant about that, about having, uh, good pictures, um, to remind the nuns. Uh, throughout the day, uh, who dwells with them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and these are all, again, they're, they're aids to help us because uh, we're going to face distractions. We're going to face dryness. Um, and, yeah, these are all, and then even the, the methods that we took, the modes that we talked about last week of prayer um, that can kind of help us uh, to remain recollected, mm-hmm. to stay focused on, on Jesus always. I think this is... Uh... You know, for Teresa, this was a really, for her, it was so, such an attractive way of prayer because uh, for her it was so simple. And I think we can really see um, the simplicity to it. Um, 
I don't know, maybe just to recap, we, we talk about um, how this, this method is just withdrawing from the senses, um, then just really recognizing the presence of God, and then following him and speaking to him, um, in following him into the center of ourselves and then speaking to him. Um, we'll say it again and again as a father, as a brother, uh, as a spouse, and as a king or a lord. Um, I think that's uh, a very simple way, and I think you can see how um, you know attractive it, it, it's been for for so many people through the centuries. Yeah, and always just always being aware of His presence and relating things in our in our daily life, even when we're outside of prayer, relating those things to God. Um, so it's it's basically a way of of always remaining in that that intimate converse that Teresa talks about um, with the One who loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the next sort of stage of, of this episode, I, I thought it would be good to um, talk about a very famous analogy um, that St. Teresa of Avila uses in talking about, um, I guess, the stages of prayer, right? So in the last episode, we kind of alluded to this um, a little bit and how um, some people may, uh, I think, incorrectly um, characterize simpler forms of prayer as somehow opposed to or um, not as good as uh, mental prayer as as uh, in the Carmelite tradition uh, maybe proposes it, um, and how there these sort of um, modes of prayer, be it vocal or liturgical or uh, meditative reading or meditation, discursive meditation, um, these shouldn't be seen as sort of stepping stones in them themselves. These are these are always helpful uh, in different times in our life um, to use as ways to become recollected, um, and I think we did a good job of, of talking about that uh, in today's episode. Um, but I think it would be good to talk a little bit about um, the, the stages as Teresa conceives them and how she analogizes them. Um, and the famous analogy is the analogy of the four waters that comes from her autobiography. St. Teresa uses this analogy of um, how our, our souls are like a garden and prayer is the means by which we ward, water that garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so she has this, this really, it's a, it's a beautiful analogy that we find kind of at the beginning of her, her, all of her writing, um, cause the, her autobiography is the first of her writings. And so, uh, she kind of draws in her experience of prayer and how it is that God works, uh, along with us in, uh, in the time of prayer, um, to grow in virtue and to grow closer to him. Right. And so we see that, um, yeah, these are these these four different uh, stages or ways to water the garden. Um, and, yeah, I think we have to be a little bit careful about, Teresa herself uses the word stages, but I think also we have to be careful about that term because I think with the, the idea of a stage, we can get this impression that it's like mm-hmm. we move directly from one to another, and once you've graduated from the first one, you go to the second. Um but Teresa's understanding of these stages or ways is more uh, dynamic than that. It's kind of, um, it's, yeah, at certain points in our lives, we'll find ourselves perhaps more in one way or another. Um, and yeah, it's just more of a dynamic than a sort of a, a linear uh, yeah. stages. I think I, I can't remember if it was Teresa herself who used this as the word or um, a commentator, but I've, I've also heard it uh, described as degrees of prayer. Right, yeah. um, and that's another sort of way to understand it without getting sort of, I guess, caught up in the um, the stage problem. I guess that you could you could call it that um, of thinking that um, 
yeah, that it's like stepping stones or something like that, or stairways or some a stairway, steps of a stairway going up or something like that. Yeah, I remember our novice master introduced it to us as uh, these are concentric circles, mm-hmm. and so it's always um, with God as the center. So it's it's this, um, yeah, it's more of a, a circular dynamic shape than a linear progression. Yeah. So I think before we really dive in um, to the garden into the dive into the waters, I guess you could say, um, it would be good to sort of maybe uh, talk about um, the analogy as an analogy. So I think for Teresa, um, I mean, she says this pretty clearly, I think, that uh, the garden represents the soul um, and sort of the landowner of the garden is God himself. um, And he employs uh, us, the gardener, um, to, um, to water the garden and uh, the water is provided, uh, that's kind of what changes up, right? Although towards the end, some other things change up as well. Um, but the manner in which the garden is watered uh, is, is sort of the uh, manner in which um, oh, we pray uh, and the manner in which um, we participate in that prayer actively. And uh, the water itself can be seen as um, the graces received or even... Um, just becoming recollected, especially in the first stage. Um, the analogy is really um, really solid uh, at the beginning with this notion of becoming recollected and the active things we have to do in order to get there. Um, and then uh, what are so the other so the other elements of the analogy would be, um, well, they talk about. Uh, she talks about how the the flowers are right. the virtues, the fruits, the fruits right. of prayer too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think before we go any further, um, it'd be good to sort of introduce uh, what each, we've already kind of started to allude to it, but what each of the variations on the theme are, right? Um, so the first, the first water or the first stage of this uh, analogy is uh, drawing water from a well uh, to water our garden. Um, and this is a very a laborious way or, uh, to, to water the garden compared to the ones that will uh, cover um, next, but the uh, the idea being that we have to uh, lower the bucket um, and then have it filled with water, and then we have to draw it up ourselves. Um, and this can be very strenuous. This can be, um, yeah, it can be tiring or taxing. Um, but for Teresa, the important thing is uh, is that um, yeah, no matter how difficult it is, that we uh, that we still it's not it's not difficult in the sense that it's. Um, there's no fruit or anything like that. We're still uh, watering the garden, and there's still fruit coming from it. Um, it's just that we're doing more of the work than God at this point. Right. Yeah, because she even mentions, uh, you alluded to this earlier, but the idea that at times there may not be much water in the well. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine, like, throwing the bucket over and then pulling up just, like, dirt and rocks <laughs> and, how, like, how heavy that would be and how much work that would be. But also, even once you do get water, care you have to not only pull the bucket up, but also carry it over to water. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of work on our own part. Yeah. And then the second stage. Yeah, the second stage she talks about, um, the, the second way of watering the garden is from a water wheel or an aqueduct. And, um, yeah, we, we even discussed earlier, like, well, what exactly is that? Because <laughs> I think it's, like, hard hard for us to imagine. Right. Um, um but, I mean, Teresa, at one point, she talks about having to turn a wheel mm-hmm. um, so we can imagine some sort of pump system. Yeah. Um, so 
this is a way of of collecting water that still requires a good bit of work mm-hmm. on on the part of the gardener, but not nearly as much as just the manual effort of of throwing down the bucket and pulling it back up. Mm-hmm. So we see already that um, the gathering of the water and the watering of the flowers is becoming uh, less strenuous. Um, less work is focused on the the part of of the gardener, and there's more time for rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is um, a really important stage or degree for Teresa, um, because I think it uh, for her was um, a stage where she spent a lot of time um, in sort of her own spiritual journey, and uh, she even says, uh, for instance, that many people. Uh, get to this degree, but don't go beyond it. Um, and again, this isn't something that should discourage us because we're, we're receiving the fruits. We're, 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 uh, very happy, right? That this, that we're receiving, um, this water and these graces, uh, from God. Um, but that's, uh, and we're all, we should also rejoice in that God is, is, is doing some of this work for us. Yeah. Actually, I think that's a great point because I do find that, uh, most people probably, uh, find the time of prayer to be, I mean, it is it is a, a good bit of work on our own part, but also there are moments, those moments of grace where God really is kind of stepping in. And I think that those are the times we can see uh, God's work more prominent and our ability to just to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then the third uh, degree or third stage uh, would be the way in which um, in certain gardens there's a stream nearby um, and I think this 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 analogy has like two aspects to it um, one when there's uh, when there's groundwater sort of treading through um, a piece of arable land um, it sort of saturates the soil right so that um, we have this experience when we water plants that you know uh, if it's particularly humid out or it's been raining for a few days uh, our house plants don't need as much water because um, the soil stays uh, moister than on you know hot summer dry days that you would uh, that you would have, so that's one sort of aspect of this that the um, that we have to let we have to water the garden less often, she says, um, because the the ground is saturated um, with moisture, um, and then the other aspect of it is that when there's a stream running through arable land, you also have uh, the ability to dig sort of trenches. Um, and sort of guide the flow of the water to come near um, the you know tracts of uh, of uh, of of the garden, right near the vegetables, near the flowers, near the plants, and things like that. Right. Yeah. So we're seeing this progressively um, less and less work for us, the gardener, and mm-hmm. more being done by God. God's providing more water with less effort on our part. I think she even says that the um, at this in this degree of prayer that. Uh, even uh, God himself does uh, will guide the water in the trenches at times um, so that we don't even have to do that, right? Um, so you can see how um, he's taking over more of the, uh, I guess, the plan, right, uh, in, this, in this way of prayer. Yeah. So then we have the, the fourth way, the fourth water, um, and that's the, the rain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the easiest way to water your garden yeah. is just to to sit back and allow the rain to fall on uh, the garden. So this is um, the, really the, the, the completeness of passive prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, the gardener can just sit back and relax and 
uh, allow God to do all of the work. Yeah, and just as we said with the first degree, with the well, um, how sometimes we can go to the well and it would be dry, um, just the same way in this fourth degree degree even, um, you have torrential downpours and you have, you know, light misting sort of uh, drops. Uh, So even uh, that variation can come into play where um, God's doing the work, but uh, we're not receiving um, as much of the um, of the uh, recollection or the grace um, in that sense. Um, as you know, there's degrees of the manner in which God can can give us um, the grace to to of which we draw fruit from. Yeah, and the beauty of all of these stages then is that God knows exactly how much water our our souls need, mm-hmm. um, and so whether it's Him doing the work. Uh, with the torrential rain or with just very little rain mm-hmm. um, or whether it's us doing the work with throwing down the bucket and pulling up the water um, or pulling up rocks and dirt <laughs> and no water, we can just trust that whatever it is that God's giving to us is exactly what the the our souls, the garden of our souls needs in order mm-hmm. to produce the most beautiful fruit. Right. Um, what I really like about uh, Teresa's analogy with the garden and the four waters, uh, too, is that it really shows the relationship. It's this is a bilateral sort of um, endeavor, right? Um, and the the manner in which it's a gradient from active uh, to less active to more passive to passive, um, you really get a sense of God's leading. He's in control, uh, but he also he also um, works with what we give him. Um, and that's really important that there's that there's both uh, aspects happening from both sides of the relationship in prayer. Um, one of the dangers she talks about um, in this section of her autobiography um, is when people sort of try to jump uh, to prayer that God's not ready to give them, um, and they they sort of um, I don't know if you can say they force they force it, but they kind of pretend almost that, mm-hmm. um, or they try to mimic. Uh, the, the uh, deeper degrees um, or the more passive degrees of prayer. Um, and pre- Teresa is very clear about this, that it's this is a waste of time. Um, yeah, it's not actually prayer at all. Yeah, right. Because prayer is about uniting our wills to God. And if if we're just doing searching after our own will, completely ignoring what God wants to give us, that's not actually prayer. Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned it again. I'll mention this again, the, the idea that... Um, when uh, even in the first degree, even when the the labor is strenuous, we we are still uh, delighting in it. I don't want to give the impression that this laborious prayer is like somehow um, somehow um, yeah not not uh, enjoyable or something like that. Uh, we receive enjoyment just by being uh, in the garden uh, and, yeah. and doing th- this work for God. This this uh, this great honor of, of working in God's garden. Yeah, because I think often the type of work she's talking about is actually just through the types of prayer that we mentioned mm-hmm. uh, last week when we mentioned, you know, vocal prayer and meditative reading. And these are the ways that we work in the garden as well. And so it's not that these are, are at times they'll, they'll maybe it'd be more difficult than others. But um, yeah, it's not that this work is always sort of, um, yeah, very laborious. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe this is a good time then to kind of introduce uh, briefly what we're hoping to talk about next week. Right. Um, so we've seen this this gradient of 
um, stages of prayer where at the beginning it tends to be more uh, our work, more active on our part, our part, and then uh, gradually God becomes more active and we become more passive and mm-hmm. receptive in receiving the graces that he wants to give to us. Um, and we've seen some today even in how the prayer of recollection is is moving towards that more passive types of prayer um, as yeah as we uh, collect our senses and our imagination uh, we are becoming more passive and receptive and, and we're, we're allowing God to do more of the work and so then what we're hoping to talk about next week is uh, really passive prayer um, or infused contemplation mm-hmm. yeah that's Exciting stuff. Yes, yes, it is. (laughs) So I guess to finish up, it would be good to, uh, as we've been tending to do uh, at the end of these episodes, to just uh, read a passage uh, from, uh, I guess we've done Teresa every time, but uh, we'll do it. We'll keep with that theme because we are talking about the Four Waters and the Prayer of Recollection, her work. So, um, yeah, I I found this great passage in the section of The Way of Perfection um, where St. Teresa talks about... um, about this prayer of recollection. So, Speak with him as with a father, or a brother, or a lord, or as with a spouse, sometimes in one way, at other times in another. He will teach you what you must do in order to please him. Don't be foolish. Take him at his word. Since he is your spouse, he will treat you accordingly. Consider that it is well worthwhile for you to have understood this truth, that the Lord is within us, and that there we must be with him. Hey everyone, Brother Pier Giorgio here. Thanks for checking out this episode of CarmelCast. If you want to hear more of us, don't forget to click subscribe. Want more information on Carmelite spirituality and the Discalced Carmelite Saints? Then you'll want to check out our website, www.icspublications.org. There's a link in the description of this episode. From here, you can see all our current promotions and access our complete catalog for the writings of St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, and St. Edith Stein. If you want to stay up to date on all our promotions and new titles, then be sure to add your email to our email list. There's no better way to stay up to date on the latest Carmelite publications. Thanks for joining us, and may God bless you.